Hey, good morning, everyone. It's pretty nice out today, isn't it? We'll take it for the end of October. We're supposed to get five inches of snow on uh, Saturday next week. No, just teasing, just teasing. We're so glad to see each and every one of you here. As you know, we've been um, doing a deep dive into the book of, of Ruth, the Old Testament book of Ruth. And um, what's so amazing about this book in the Old Testament is, is really when it took place, when it was written, and, and how closely this book just shows us the heart of God and really what the message of Jesus is all about. And that's what we're going we're gonna to see today as we jump into chapter 2, continuing chapter 2. And I just want to encourage you today that there is a God of grace that pours out his grace in our lives when we don't deserve it. None of us in this place earn it or deserve it. And that is such good news when we feel like we don't measure up or we feel like failures or we feel like there's way too many flaws in our lives. Can, I, can we just all be honest this morning? We are all broken and we all have flaws in our lives and every single one of us are sinners. And I know that's hard to say in, in a world today, but we are sinners. And, and, and when we recognize that, that we've fallen short of God's perfection and his grace, we'll understand uh, how beautiful and how wonderful God's grace truly is and how he pours it out on us. And that's what we're going to see in Ruth today of how God poured his grace on someone who most likely was not a candidate for grace or, or, or God's blessings or God's favor. But we're going to see her heart and how her heart was humbled before God and how she felt like she didn't deserve a thing. And what, we, what we've learned about Ruth is written probably the time she lived was probably 1,100 years before Christ. And it was a very turbulent time in Israel's history. And what we learned about Ruth is Ruth wasn't an Israelite. She was a Moabite who was actually an enemy of Israel. And how uh, Ruth comes to be part of the Israelite family is, is, is interesting. What happened is, is Naomi, her mother-in-law, and their family moved from Bethlehem to Moab where they could find food. There was a famine in the land at that time. And there, Naomi's two husbands found wives for themselves, Moabite wives. One was named Orpah and one was named Ruth. What happened is all their husbands died. Uh, Ruth's husband died. Uh, Orpah's husband died, and Naomi's husband died, and they were pretty much left destitute. Well, now there's a famine in Moab, and Naomi says, I'm going to move back to my homeland, to my people. I hear that there's a harvest of grain there, and I'm going to move back. And she gave full permission for her her two daughter-in-laws to go back to their homeland to find husbands, to raise families, because they had no children at the time. But what was interesting about Ruth is Ruth did not want to leave Naomi. As they all sat there at that crossroad and we're all going to separate, Orpah leaves and goes back to her her country and her God. But what we learned about Ruth is she clung to Naomi. And she said, Naomi, I don't want to leave you. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And so she clung to Naomi. Naomi at this point is bitter. She's like, there's absolutely no prospects down this road. If you follow me, there's nothing, there's... Just logically, there's more for you if you would just go back to your homeland. But she she didn't. She gave up everything by faith to follow Naomi with absolutely no prospects of being someone who was an outsider, who wasn't an Israelite. She was probably going to be treated harshly going back to this land, which was not her own. But she gave all that up to follow the God of Naomi. 
to put her faith in something that she had no idea how it was going to play out in her life. But step by step, she trusted the God of Naomi. And little bit by little bit, as we've been going through these chapters, we see God's faithfulness in her life and how he met her needs little bit by little bit. Not all in one thing. Isn't it? Don't you want God just to show you everything? Could you just show me everything? But we couldn't handle it, could we? I mean, I can't handle tomorrow unless he showed me everything in the next month, right? We just can't handle it. And God knows that about our hearts and our minds. But little bit by little bit, he provided for Ruth. And we're going to be looking at chapter two today. And when we look at chapter two today, where, where we're at is Naomi travels back to her, her, her homeland, back to Bethlehem, and Ruth is with her, and it is the harvest time, and so they need to get food. And there is an interesting provision that God allowed in Israel for people who needed food. And somebody who was uh, a farmer who was kind and understood the law of God, what they would do is they would leave the edges of their fields unharvested for other people to come in to get food for their lives. And so what we see is here's Ruth. She goes and they see that it's the harvest. They see that there's food and the edges of the field are left uh, unharvested. It was a safety net for those who desperately needed food. And so Ruth says to Naomi, her mother-in-law, I will go out into the fields. And she saw the fields of God as God's grace. She saw it as God's favor. She wasn't griping. She wasn't complaining. She's like, okay, mother-in-law, I'll go get the food for you, right? And I'll help us out here. And she, she wasn't like that at all. In fact, she looked at it just the opposite. She looked at it as God's favor and God's grace, a provision that she would see. And so she's out there, she's sunburned, she's hot, she's sweaty, and she's working in the fields, providing not only for herself, but for her mother-in-law, Naomi. And little bit by little bit, we're going to see God's provision in their life and how God is going to take care of this Moabite, somebody who is a foreigner in their land, somebody who is an outsider, how God's grace is going to just completely be poured out on her life. And he uses a man named Boaz to do that. This is where the story gets really good. So let's jump into it. Um, Ruth chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 8 through 16 this morning. And let's, let's look at how God blesses her life with his grace. And let's look at the character of Ruth and let's look at, at how she receives it. Starting in verse 8, it says, So Boaz said to Ruth, My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars that the men have filled. At this, she bowed down with her face to the ground and asked him, Why have I found such favor in your eyes that you noticed me, a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband and how you left your father and mother in your homeland and, and came to live with a people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by God, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Her reputation has preceded her. 
She has a good reputation. And it's, and people are taking notice of her. Verse 13. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant. Notice how she calls herself a servant. Though I do not have the standing of one of your servants, even calling herself a lower servant than the servants that he had. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Here, come over here, have some bread, dip it in some wine vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. She got up to glean. Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the, she- along, uh, among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. Even pull some stalks out for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. What we're going to see in these, amen to God's word, but what we're going to see in these verses is God's grace is all over this. And we're going to connect this to God's grace and his beautiful son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to know the character. Let's understand the character of Ruth. She expects nothing but gains everything. She expects nothing She goes in not expecting anything. Just to get some food for her and her mother-in-law, she doesn't expect any favor. She's in awe of the favor that is shown to her. Not only is she in awe of it, she calls herself a servant. She doesn't come into the fields with any kind of expectation. She doesn't come into the fields with an entitlement attitude like, oh man, we just walked all this way from Moab. I got my mother-in-law with me. You know, she's been complaining the whole time. You have no idea, Boaz. She doesn't do any of that, right? Now, can we all be honest with ourselves? Can we tend to complain at times? Any of you, you never complain. Okay, if you raise your hand, you are a liar. You're a liar. There's a thing that we must fight against, especially as followers of Jesus is this entitled spirit. And, and living in America doesn't make it any easier, all right? Like, have it your way. It's, everything's have it our way, right? Everything revolves around me. How do I feel? How does it make me feel? Right? So we got to be careful with this entitled attitude. And we actually got to fight against it. And one of the things that we see in Ruth, that we see this grace and favor that was showed upon her, was because she wasn't expecting anything. Listen. If you can understand that about your relationship with God, you will experience his grace in such a deeper way, in such a a most wonderful way than you would ever experience if you don't understand that you don't deserve a thing. This is how powerful his grace is. So what's the meaning? Let's unpack this for a minute. What's the meaning of entitlement? Well, basically it means it's the right of having a right to something. I'm entitled to this because of this. It's a belief that we have special privileges or rights to something. So the minute we feel that way, the minute we feel entitled to it. So Ruth could have gone into the field like, hey, 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 hey. You know what the Old Testament says? Hey, there's a law here that says you're supposed to leave the edges gleaned, and I'm entitled to get what's due to me. Right, Boaz? Okay, get what's coming to me. He doesn't have to do a thing. In fact, Boaz doesn't have to do it. But thank God he's a godly man that follows the Lord. But she doesn't go in with that type of attitude at all. You see, we all have an entitlement tendencies. I'm going to be soft with you, but let me, let me just 
Buckle your seatbelts for just a moment because let, let me just poke you just a little bit and myself. I read an article about entitlement tendencies and let me just say some of these really hurt. So are you ready? Let me read you a couple of them. Okay, let me just read you a couple of them here. We can feel entitled when we feel overly bothered when someone asks us to do something for someone else. Yet when asking others for favors, we think it's no big deal. See, we can feel overly bothered when asked to do something for someone else, yet when asking others for favors, we think it's no big deal. That could be entitlement tendencies. Or when we expect others to be more interested in us or our agenda than in what, than what is going on in their life. Ouch. Okay. Let me give you a couple more, okay? Or when we do not think how we offend others. We think others should not be offended by what we say, and we think they should just get over it. Just get over it. Okay? Ouch. Okay, let me give you one more. Or when we think we deserve special treatment or things because of who we are or our importance. Those are entitlement tendencies that we have to listen. In a relationship with Christ Jesus, we are all servants. We are all servants. And at Living Word, if you're a member, we have uh, something that you learn in your membership class. Hopefully you didn't forget it for those of you that are members. But we talk about giving up your rights. And, at, at Living Word, membership does not have its privileges. Okay, this is an American Express, okay? If you remember that old commercial, right? And, and, and we do a teaching to our new members about rights and responsibilities. And if we can understand this, this will help nip this entitlement spirit that can easily creep up in all of our lives. When we feel like we're not getting our way or we're not getting uh, treated fairly, uh, this is a great way to nip this. See, the, we have to understand the more responsibilities I'm given, the more I lose my rights. So the more I'm growing in my relationship with Christ, the more I'm losing my rights in that relationship. So let's understand this. Let's understand this. And I've got this for you in a just in a, in a triangle here, an example here. Look at the triangle. At the bottom, you have rights, and going up the side, you have responsibilities. Now, let me give an example of this. So when you first come to Living Word, you're at the bottom there. You have all the rights with no responsibilities. So when you first come to Living Word, you probably got a mug, right? You're like, wow, this is great. I get a free Living Word mug. And some of you are sitting there, I've been coming to Living Word. I ain't get no mug. I ain't get no mug. Been coming here five years, get no mug. Well, guess what? You got to pay for yours now, okay? Been coming here five years, you get no free mugs, okay? But we, obviously, we want to treat our guests. We want to treat new people. We want we want to tell them we love. We're glad you're coming here. Here's a gift for you, okay? Now, let's say you, you're like, I like Living Word. I I, I like. I'm, maybe I'll make this my home church. You've been coming for a little bit, and you think, you know, I want I want to begin to serve. I want to begin to use the gifts and talents that God has given me to build up the the church. And so, you know, I like working with kids. So I'm going to go talk to Pastor Brandon. I want to go help with the kids. And Brandon's like, yes, we could use your help. And you come in. Now, guess what? You start to more responsibilities, you're getting up the triangle, and guess what? You're losing more of your rights for this reason. Sunday morning rolls around, you got to get up because there's all these cute little kids waiting for you, and they want to hear about Jesus, and they want to know more about Jesus. You just can't say, well, I'm just going to lay in bed and just sleep this one out uh, today, right? You can't. You, you've lost your right to do that with the more responsibility that was given to you. 
And what we look at here at our staff is at the top of that pyramid is me and Pastor Brandon. It's the pastors. Because we are here to serve. Ultimately, we are here to serve. And there's always a story that keeps running in my mind of a pastor who had to plunge the toilet one time and the maintenance person wasn't around. And he didn't want to plunge. He didn't want to plunge. They go, that's not my job. That's not my job. That's the, that's the maintenance person's job to plunge the toilets. And God just convicted his heart right there. So he went, got the plunger, and plunged the toilet and fixed it. And then he said, you know what I did? I took the plunger, and now the plunger is in the, is in the corner of my office that I remind myself every day that there is no job that is beneath me as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, we all have our jobs. Some may have more responsibilities than others. But at the foot of the cross, we lay our rights down for the betterment of the body. For the betterment of the body. When we come to the Lord Jesus at the foot of the cross, it's level. There's no one that's better than anyone else. And here's the reason why we have to think that way. is because Jesus came as a servant to show us the way to the heart of God. And so Jesus tells us that he didn't come to this earth to be served, but to serve and actually give his life as a ransom for you and I. To give his life. He that was perfect and did nothing wrong came and gave up his life for you and I to show us grace when we didn't deserve it. When I understand that, it humbles my heart. And then it makes me realize, you know what? I don't deserve a thing. That I actually lose my rights at the foot of the cross. And I'm going to have to fight against that fleshly part of me probably the rest of my life. But that's why we have to keep preaching the gospel to ourselves. That's why we have to keep coming back to the cross and reminding ourselves that I am not worthy of the love and grace that God gave me. But through Christ Jesus and what he did for me, I can find my worth in God now. And it's not because of me or what I've done or how big I think I am. It's all because of Jesus and his humility. Now think about it for a moment. When Jesus washed the disciples' feet, what was he teaching them? He was teaching them about servanthood. He goes, if you want to be the greatest in my kingdom, then it's going to be the one that serves. It's going to be the one that lays his rights down. It's going to be the one that wants to better someone else. That's the heart of God. This is what we see in the heart of Ruth. She's not complaining she doesn't feel entitled. She's taking care of her mother-in-law. She's following her God. And her attitude and what she's doing is getting noticed. Her servant's heart is getting noticed. And so I want us to remind ourselves all the time, remind yourself of this all the time, that when you feel like things don't go your way or you've been treated incorrectly, please go back to the foot of the cross. And just remind yourself, you're not worthy of that salvation. None of us are. But through God's grace, he gives it to each and every one of us as a gift. To say, I'm going to do the work for you. Yes, you don't earn it or deserve it. I'm going to do the work for you by paying the price of your sin. And what that makes me do is feel so grateful for the death of Christ and what he did for me. And the power that comes through the resurrection, knowing that he indeed is God. So just remind yourself of that. The more responsibilities you're given in the kingdom of God, the more you will lose your rights. The more you will lose your rights. Understanding this principle will break that entitlement attitude in us. And, we, and listen, we all fight with that. And as a follower of Christ, we need to understand that we were bought with a price and we're not our own. We're not our own. 
And so what Jesus does, he comes to serve and not be served. And when I understand that, then I can say to myself, it is a privilege to be a servant of Jesus. Ruth's attitude was that she was a servant. She called herself a servant. She called herself a servant. In fact, not only did she call herself a servant, but she called herself a servant of the servants. That's how low she made herself. See, that was the position that she took into the fields, the position of servanthood. She made herself low. Now, you may be in positions of authority, and God may place you in that. That's wonderful and that great. That's great. And you may, you may have authority over a lot of people. Maybe you're a boss, and you have a lot of people that work for you. Just always remember this. Don't abuse that authority. God has put you in that for a reason. But become a servant to the servants as you lead. And this is what Ruth does. She doesn't expect anything. She doesn't feel like she deserves anything. But she goes in with the attitude of a servant. It's a privilege to be a servant of Christ Jesus. And I love what she says in verse 10. She states again, she calls herself a foreigner, an outsider that doesn't deserve a thing. Yet she accepts Yet she's accepted because of her faithfulness and humility. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What a beautiful picture of God's grace we see in this moment. I love that Jesus doesn't see us as outsiders or not worthy of being accepted. He came for all. All who humble themselves and receive his grace can find favor. I think the reason why there's a big stumbling block in our world today to receiving God's grace, I mean, think about the gospel message. What an unbelievable message that says your sins can be forgiven. All that you have done can be forgiven through Christ Jesus. I think the reason why many people reject that message is we don't correctly share that message correctly with people. And so many times we feel like, well, pastor, you know, if you call people sinners, they're going to feel bad about themselves and we shouldn't shame people. I'm not telling you to shame anyone. But when we recognize the beauty in our Savior and how perfect he was, that he was without sin, was willing to come to die for sinners, which all of us are, are that, you begin to understand the power of grace. The reason why the gospel, I feel, is not attractive to people today is because we give them a sloppy grace. We give them a grace that's truly not based in what Jesus accomplished for you and I. The more I understand that I'm an object of God's wrath and deserving of death, the more I realize how powerful that grace is and what Jesus actually accomplished for Barden, for me. And I fall on that grace every single day. I need it. And I mess up. But God is there. And he accepts us. And he forgives us. Boaz's favor towards Ruth goes beyond what was required by the law. Not only does he say, okay, Boaz was a good man, so he left the, he left the fields 
to be gleaned by by those that need it. That, good, good for you, Boaz. Let's all give Boaz a hand. Good for you, right? Okay, so he could have done that self-righteously, whatever, but, but he was a godly man. But what he does for Ruth is beyond what was required. God's favor towards us goes beyond anything you could ever think of in your wildest imagination. I love what Pastor Tim Keller says here. I love this quote. He said, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we'd ever dared believe. But yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we'd ever dared hope. We deserve death, yet through Christ we find eternal life. Jesus, for our sake, became poor so that we could become rich, that we could experience the spiritual blessings that were found in Christ Jesus. Boaz showed grace, and he lived out that grace. He gave Ruth grace, not not only just grace, but but more. Here's here's more food for you. In fact, take some bread and dip it in this vinegar wine. Hey, hey, guys, the stuff that you've already harvested, you know, probably the better stuff, leave that for Ruth. Let her get some of that so she can take that home. Next week's message is so good. I mean, the story of Ruth just keeps getting better. So you've got to come back next week. We're shutting off the online, so, so everybody's got to come in. No, I'm just teasing. Just teasing you those you're watching online. We'll have it up there. But it just keeps getting better. And a little bit, what I want you to is little bit by little bit, God shows Ruth, his grace, and she sees it. She sees his grace as favor. And so Boaz shows grace to somebody who didn't deserve it. Over and over again, you see that just she was a foreigner. She was an outsider. But we see God's grace to someone who didn't deserve it. And then look at verse 12. I love this. Boaz protects, protects Ruth and reassures her that she will be provided for. In fact, he says, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. I've noticed that you're trusting God. I've noticed that you've come under his hand and his shelter and his protection. I'm going to make sure that happens in your life by, by me showing grace to you. By me showing grace to you. I love what Alistair Beck says here. He says, you'll never be able to bring others into the presence of God in whose presence we do not live. I believe Boaz was living in God's presence and saw God's grace in his life, and he allowed that grace that was in him to be poured out on Ruth. That's the way we live. Psalms 36, 7 says, How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of of your wings. There's protection under his grace. Ruth found that refuge through humility and trust in God. So my prayer for you today is 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 closing song today. Sing a beautiful song. I, I love this song. We haven't sang it in a while and I just I just I just love it because it just talks about God's goodness and his faithfulness. But listen, maybe you're here today and you're like, Pastor, um yeah, I, I need that grace in my life. I want you to know it's available to you. Maybe you're struggling to worship God 
with what you're going through now. I want you to know there's grace for you today. Do you remember the Apostle Paul when he prayed three times for that thorn to be removed from his flesh? He prayed three times. That's the Apostle Paul. You think if anyone's going to get a healing, it's going to be the Apostle Paul. But God let it remain. We don't know what the thorn is. I'm glad we don't know. We have no idea. There's a lot of guesses. We don't know. But he prayed three times. And every time Jesus came back and said, listen, listen, Paul, I want you to know that in your weakness, I'm strong and that my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul, listen, just one second. We're going to close and I'm going to shut up, okay? Bills aren't playing today, so I'm going to keep going, okay? So I'm just saying, everybody relax. Um, But listen, listen, God wanted Paul to experience something that he otherwise would not experience if the thorn wasn't in his flesh. I don't know what your thorn is. I don't know what it is, but God's grace is sufficient. And when we worship him and thank him for his goodness, this joy comes into our lives. The entitled spirit gets to be removed out of our lives. That bitterness that we might have because we feel like we're getting dealt a bad hand begins to be removed out of our lives because all that, all that dissipates when we see the grace of God and what he's done for each and every one of you. And then we can worship him and thank him. So, Ruth is out in the fields. She's not complaining. She could be singing. She could be praising. I don't know what she's doing, but she's out there and she's working and she's gleaning and she's getting food for her and Naomi. And Naomi is watching a Moabite follow God. And what we're going to see in the next couple of weeks is how Naomi begins to also see that God is truly, truly good and that he is faithful and he hasn't forgotten about her either. But he does it through an outsider by giving her grace that she didn't deserve. God loves the outsiders, the ones that they don't feel like they deserve it. Jesus says, come to me and you will find rest. So Father God, as we just bow our hearts before you today, I pray for your grace for whatever we're going through, God. I thank thank you that your grace is sufficient. I thank you, Lord, that even in our weakness, you are strong and you wanted to teach something to Paul that he would otherwise never experience had he not had that thorn in his flesh. Thank you for being with us always and giving us something that we would never discern or earn in our own strength. Thank you for the gift of grace in our lives. And as we look at our lives and even the failures in our lives, may we recognize that, Jesus, you cover those when we come to you and recognize your grace and how powerful your forgiveness is. And no matter what we go through, no matter what our trial is, we thank you for the grace that you provide, abundant grace over and over and over for those who receive it. So may we, may we receive that grace today to give us strength, even in our weakness. In Jesus' precious name, we ask these things. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Can we thank God for his word? His word is good. Can we just thank him for his word? Amen. Amen.